0: The chosen one it was said that you would destroy this Sith not join them bring balance to the force not leave it in darkness I loved you. You've never heard of the Millennium Falcon? Should I have? It's a ship that made the Kessel run less than 12 12,000.
1: Hey everyone, and welcome to Kessel Run Weekly. My name's Kristen.
2: And I'm Danny. And today we have some very special guests with us. Hey. Hey! So, we have, uh, if you listen to our 100th episode, um, I invited my entire family on (laughs) uh, to talk what else but Star Wars. Um, I today have my brother and his girlfriend with me, uh, so Caleb and Krista, uh, to talk something strange. (laughs) Um. So let's go ahead and I guess we'll introduce our topic because we're not going to do news or anything like that because this episode is going to be huge. Yes. Um, <laughs> so we are talking fandoms colliding. Yes. Harry Potter and Star Wars. That's right. Happy yes. Halloween. Yes. So happy good. Halloween. Um, so it's, I'm really excited about this because like w- planning it and everything. We've, we've kind of come across some, like, really cool things. Like, I didn't know about Harry Potter. Um, you guys discovered some stuff about Star Wars and oh, everything. Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm really excited about this episode.
3: I'm psyched.
2: <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, before we get into our true topic, uh, we got a couple of little uh, things that we want to do first. So, first, uh, Caleb and Christy, you guys brought some Halloween uh, history for us from uh, the world of Harry Potter,
3: Yes, Halloween is a really special day in Harry Potter. It is the day that Voldemort disappeared after he attacked Harry's parents in Godric's Hollow. It's when, uh, in the first book, the troll was let into Hogwarts. In the second book...
0: Um, the Chamber <laughs> of Secrets was opened on Halloween.
3: Yes, and then Sirius Black came in in the third book on Halloween. That's
0: right. What in the world?
3: <laughs> Harry was picked
0: to be a Tri Wizard champion on Halloween. It's it's a special day. There's definitely something magical about it. <laughs> something magical. <laughs> something. Um, that's awesome. Um,
2: well, and and I also want to kind of like talk about you guys a little bit. So we're we're here, Halloween, um, all this cool Harry Potter stuff. Uh we're gonna be talking about some Star Wars too. And um, Caleb, uh, can you tell me a little bit about your Star Wars fandom? Like how
0: you got into Star Wars? Of course. Well, um, I'm your younger brother, if that's uh, a factor. Oh, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was definitely raised around Star Wars, and you know our dad. He was yeah. a Star Wars fanatic. We had that uh, the three set of the original trilogy on VHS, and we were always watching it at home.
1: VHS? <laughs> yes, VHS. <laughs> and I remember
0: uh, being in like preschool when The Phantom Menace came out and just seeing it for the first time and just being like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. Having lightsaber duels in the front yard. Oh <laughs> All this cool stuff. Yeah. So yeah, it's just been around and I've grown to love it. Yeah.
2: Um, and I've actually gotten to be part a little bit of your Harry Potter fandom
0: because uh, uh, growing up you were
2: all into the books.
0: Yeah, that's right. Uh, I think I read the first one because the movies were coming out and mom and dad said, you know, we're not going to take you to see the movie until you read the book. And you so said challenge accepted. Like, yeah. And I just... <laughs> I I fell in love with it. Uh, I would just read them all the time. I think I was in maybe first or second grade when the first one came out. I remember, I think, when the fourth or fifth one came out, being Mm -hmm. at Books a Million Mm -hmm. uh, in line at midnight to get the book. Uh, And I just, I don't know, I just fell in love with the story and just got swept up in the world.
2: Absolutely. And I remember uh, actually uh, getting you, I think it was Deathly Hollows, wasn't it?
0: You stayed up like all night and powered
2: through it. Mm Mm-hmm massive had impressive. to know. I had to know. <laughs>
0: had to know. <laughs> but my knowledge of Harry Potter just pales in comparison to yes. Krista. She, We have a, a room dedicated to Harry Potter books and just tapestries <laughs> and pops and anything that has Harry Potter on it that you can imagine, we've collected it and it's on a yes. shelf somewhere in our house.
2: So, so Krista,
3: Hi. let's talk
2: about your Harry Potter fandom. So, what got you into Harry Potter?
3: Um, my mom got the books for my dad and brother when I was when I was too little to read them. I, I didn't have a lot of interest in reading at the time. And eventually, when I started getting into them, I think it was just before the fourth book was released. And so I had caught up. I remember sobbing hysterically in my room after Sirius Black died. That's my strongest memory of the book, <laughs> just repeating, in my, like i sobbing, he could have been so happy. <laughs> I cried for hours before I could actually finish the book. Um, I didn't have a lot of exposure to Star Wars though until I kind of got swept up in your guys' family, and then I had to I had to kind of gain my bearings because there's I mean there's no other way to be in this family. That well, <laughs> that's fair, um, <laughs> very fair. But yeah, I just I'm I'm totally obsessed with it. I, I I've I literally listen to the books on repeat all the time. I'm listening to the first one right now. No wait, I finished it today. Um, I I, I listen to them constantly. I'm I love it so so much. It's so it means everything to me.
2: That's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I remember. La- I, what was it? Last week when we were planning this episode, you were talking about.
3: I was like, oh yeah. Well, I just.
2: Listen to this book while I'm walking to work. and
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: Which one was it that you were listening to?
3: I think that was the the final one, The Deathly Hallows, that I was listening to at the time, mm-hmm. and it was tough. I was I I walked to work every day, and I was walking, and I would I came in one day. It was like right after Hedwig died, and I was like talking to my bosses about it, and started crying, <laughs> and they were just like, "Krista, you how many times have you listened to this, and you're still upset about it?" But It's really, uh, just tears me up. It tears me up.
0: (laughs) More about Hedwig and not Moody?
3: Um, I, i I think it's about the loss of innocence when Hedwig dies. Moody meant a lot to me, but he, he knew what he was doing. He, and he was like, I think he was ready to die. He took on partnering with Mundungus Fletcher when they took Harry from, uh, Privet Drive at the end and, um. I think he knew what he was getting into. Hedwig, though, she was, I mean, she was Harry's childhood. She was like the first gift that he, it was the first birthday present that he ever got. Hagrid bought her for him. Oh, that's sad. I know, (laughs) it really was. And she had, she didn't know it was coming. It just happened as they were trying to escape. Uh, It really devastates me. Probably my, my worst, my worst losses are Dobby, Fred Weasley. And Hedwig. They're the worst.
0: That's a pretty heavy list. Uh, they're, they're so hard.
3: They're so hard. I cried I cried when Fred died. Oh man, and I cried so much when the, she he sees uh, Tonks and uh, Lupin dead in the
2: oh, my it's So painful. Well there you have it guys. I found the experts. <laughs> so so In that wealth of knowledge, um, that was actually really cool. Um, We are talking about a lot of cool stuff, Um, so later in the episode we will be talking about The Chosen One, Harry Potter and Anakin Skywalker. I bet you thought I was going to say Luke, but (laughs) Anakin Skywalker. So we've got some stuff there for you. Um, Before we get into that, uh, we have some fantastic beasts that we want to introduce. Quiet life for me from now on. Back to the ministry. I live in my manuscript.
3: Now look out for it. Fantastic beasts and where to find them.
2: So this week, um, and actually this entire month, uh, we're wrapping up now our Monster Madness. And we thought, no better way than to talk about a couple monsters, right? Right. Um, And so our first one comes from the Star Wars universe. Uh, We chose this week the Zillow Beast, um, which is a favorite of Kristen's.
1: It is. I love the Zillow Beast.
2: Uh, so the Zilla Beast, sometimes referred simply as the Beast, um, now it was first introduced in the Clone Wars arc, I believe, of the same name. Zilla beast, Um was a semi-sentient reptilian species endemic to the planet Malastare. The Dugs believed this gargantuan creature to be extinct long before 21, before the Battle of Yavin during the Battle of Malastare. However, the last specimen alive was inadvertently unearthed by an electroproton bomb used by the Galactic Republic. Supreme Chancellor Sheev Palpatine sought to use the Zillow Beast's indestructible hide to aid the Grand Army of the Republic. Shortly after the creature was brought to Coruscant... Horrible, horrible idea, as we see that goes (laughs) wrong. This is... This is drastic. Park the Lost World is what this is. <laughs> um, <laughs> never bring the T-Rex to LA. Jeez. Uh, or San Diego. Um, but, uh, however, it broke free from its restraints. Surprise, surprise. And rampaged through the capital. In the end, the Jedi and the Republic Army were left with no other choice but to kill the Zilla Beast using a powerful toxin, the same one that had compelled it to ravage Coruscant, but in larger doses. It was then revealed that after the creature was killed... Palpatine ordered the Zillow Beast be cloned. Great idea. Yeah, great idea. (laughs) Flawless. (laughs) Which is crazy because, I mean, and and we kind of talked about it before we got on the show, of Palpatine's endless contingency plans. Uh It was like one thing would pop up and five things would go wrong, but he'd still come out on top. Which the Zillow Beast is kind of, it was a very sad arc. The Zillow Beast is very terrifying. It's got like, Mm -hmm. what, six arms, five arms, something like that. I don't know.
1: Yeah, farming. Crazy or six. looking.
2: Yeah. Um, but I mean it's like a Godzilla like creature for Star Wars.
1: Yeah. It really like its skin was really hard. It couldn't mm-hmm. like you couldn't deflected lightsabers
2: and everything. Blasters. Yes. Yeah. So it was it was serious business. Um which at first it's like, yeah, cool, research it for armor or whatever. But I mean we know Palpatine had some more sinister <laughs> plans for the beast. So that is our fantastic beast from Star Wars, Caleb and Krista. I hear that you have a fantastic beast of your own
0: that we you brought sure us. Do. We do, and this one is pretty terrifying. Uh, it's called the Lethifold, also known as the Living Shroud, and it's got a Ministry of Magic classification of five X's, which is known wizard killer. That's, that's as high oh. as it gets. Uh, so the Lethifold is a mercifully rare creature found solely in tropical climates. It resembles a black cloak, perhaps half an inch thick, and it grows thicker if it's recently killed and digested a victim. It glides along the ground at night. The earliest account we have of a Lethifold was written by the wizard Flavius Belby, who was fortunate enough to survive the attack in 1782 while holidaying in Papua New Guinea.
3: Near one o'clock in the morning, as I began to at last feel drowsy, I heard a soft rustling close by. Believing it to be nothing more than the leaves of the trees outside, I turned over in bed with my back to the window and caught sight of what appeared to be a shapeless black shadow sliding underneath my bedroom door. I lay motionless, trying sleepily to divine what was causing such a shadow in the room only lit by moonlight. Undoubtedly, my stillness led the Lethifold to believe that its potential victim was sleeping, To my horror, the shadow began to creep up the bed. As I felt its slight weight upon me, it resembled nothing so much as a rippling black cape, the edges fluttering slightly as it slithered over the bed towards me. Paralyzed with fear, I felt its clammy touch upon my chin before I sat bolt upright. The thing attempted to smother me, sliding inexorably over my face, over my mouth and nostrils, but still I struggled, feeling its wrapping, its coldness about me all the while. Unable to cry for assistance, I groped for my wand, now dizzy as the thing sealed itself about my face. Incapable of drawing breath, I concentrated all my might upon the stupefying charm, and then, as that failed to subdue the creature, through a blasting a hole in my bedroom door, upon the impediment hex, which likewise availed me not, still struggling madly, I rolled sideways and fell heavily upon the floor, now wrapped entirely in the lethifold. I knew that I was about to lose consciousness completely as I suffocated. Desperately, I mustered up my last reserve of energy. Pointing my wand away from myself and into the deadly folds of the creature, summoning the memory of the day that I had been voted president of the local Gobstones Club, I performed the Patronus charm. Almost at once, I felt fresh air upon my face. I looked up to see that deathly shadow being thrown into the air upon the horns of my Patronus. It flew across the room and slithered swiftly out of sight.
0: So as Belby so dramatically reveals, the Patronus is the only spell known to repel the Lethifold, since it generally attacks the sleeping, though its victims rarely have a chance to use any magic against it. Once its prey has been successfully suffocated, the Lethifold digests its food there, in the bed, and then exits the house slightly thicker and fatter than it was before, leaving no trace of itself or its victim behind. Because of that, the number of Lethifold victims is almost impossible to calculate, since it leaves no clues as as to its presence. Easier to calculate, though, is the number of wizards who have, for their own purposes, pretended to have been killed by Lethifolds. (laughs) The most recent instance of such duplicity occurred in 1973, when the wizard Janus Thickey vanished leaving only a hastily written note on the bedside table reading, Oh no, Alethifold's got me, I'm suffocating.
1: (laughs) Yeah, because I would totally have time to write that. Right. (laughs) Let
0: me just write this note real quick. (laughs) Convinced by the spotless and empty bed that such a creature had indeed killed Janus, his wife, and children entered a period of strict mourning, which was rudely interrupted when Janus was discovered living five miles away with the landlady of the green dragon. Man, <laughs> what a dog. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that was
0: horrifying. Like,
2: what the heck?
0: Yeah, and uh, Krista actually let me know of some discussion in, in the Harry Potter lore that was recently brought up that Dementors and Lethifolds might share some common ancestry. Um, mm. So that's that's pretty crazy to think about. <laughs> so they went from suffocating people
2: to death to now. I just want your happiness. You <laughs> your whole soul out. Yeah. <laughs> your body's not enough. I need the soul. <laughs> <laughs> that is crazy and horrifying. Because like that's the <laughs> that's the thing that you like when you're scared at night. You pull your blanket over your head. Not with the lethefold because the blanket will eat you alive. <laughs> wow.
1: Yeah, that's uh. That's really creepy. I can't <laughs> sure. even imagine like the creepy like tales and like not necessarily myth, but you know, just like the center mm-hmm. on the campfire or something, you know, that's a story you tell about how little boy down the street disappeared or something. Like Yeah,
2: <laughs> well, for, for a second, I forgot we were recording because you were reading the story. And I know you've read this before, but I was just kind of like drawn in like oh god oh no (laughs) like like I was stressed out for a second (laughs) having flashbacks to the horror movies you're making me watch this month it's
1: fine
2: it's fine it's fine (laughs) so those are our fantastic beasts um which is really cool and much more horrifying than the Zillow (laughs) Beasts I don't know I bring you Godzilla you bring me a killer blanket so there it is (laughs) So cool. So I think it's time to go ahead and move on to our main event.
3: I got a bad feeling about this.
2: (laughs) I'm not afraid. You will be. You will be. For our Harry Potter Star Wars crossover fandom spectacular extraordinaire. I'm coining all of that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So let's get into what we're here to talk about. Um, So we're coming to talk about the chosen one uh, being Harry Potter and Anakin Skywalker. So starting with the prophecies.
3: With all due respect, master, is he not the chosen one? Is he not to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force? So the prophecy says. A prophecy that Miss Reg could have
0: been.
2: Harry Potter, obviously, he has his own prophecy as well. Um, And Anakin had one against him, too. So Anakin's, and I had to pull from Legends because in canon, there's not really, like, anything actually out there right now. Um, But there was a quote from Yoda Where he says, um, fully defeated by just anyone the dark side cannot be, but only by the chosen one. And who might be this Jedi? No, I do not. But not yet born is he or she this much since I can. A vessel of pure force, the chosen one will be more powerful than any Jedi in history. He's a poet and didn't know it. Um, (laughs) (laughs) um, and then the great, great Holocron also contains a lot of references to the prophecy. Um... In short, saying, a Jedi will come to destroy the Sith and bring balance to the Force. Um, so, as we all know, being Star Wars fans, the, the prophecy really has a lot of different meanings um, between the Jedi and the Sith. To the Sith, it means destroying the Jedi. To the Jedi, it means destroying the Sith. Um, which, from what we understand, may not really mean either of the, either of the things. Depends on your perspective of balance. I am interested, however, in Harry's prophecy.
3: So the prophecy of Harry Potter actually didn't have to be a prophecy of Harry Potter at all. It was made by the divination teacher of Hogwarts when she was interviewing for the position. She made this prophecy to Albus Dumbledore. The one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. Born to those who have thrice defied him. Born as the seventh month dies. And the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have power the Dark Lord knows not. And either must die at the hands of the other, for neither can live while the other survives. Mm. So, that prophecy never mentions a name. Mm -hmm. And it could have actually applied to another character in Harry Potter, Neville Longbottom, who... A lot of of people (laughs) that watch the movies never really know what a huge role Neville could have played. And it's so interesting the way that Voldemort decided to choose Harry. Um, As a lot of people might not know, Harry is only a half-blood. His mom is muggle-born. And Neville is a pure-blood. Both of his parents come from long lines of wizards, witches and wizards, and He also, his parents thristified Voldemort. He was born close to Harry in the same, uh, Harry's birthday is at the end of July. He was born very close. And so it could have applied to either of them, but Voldemort chose the person who, like himself, is half-blood. And that's just a really interesting thing as his whole mm. his whole rule is about, you know, cleansing the blood of all the wizards. It's a lot of weird racist subtext. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of intense. Um, but also the prophecy never had to come true. It only came true because Snape, when he was still a loyal Death Eater, before he was playing two sides and being a double agent, um, he was spying on Trelawney's interview and he overheard just the first part of the prophecy. He just heard the part up to the part where there would be someone born. He didn't hear the part where uh, the dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have powers. The dark Lord knows not. So Voldemort hearing the part that someone is going to be born that can kill him.
0: Mm-hmm. He
3: decides to seek that person out. And who knows what would have happened if he had just, Never heard the prophecy. If he hadn't known that there was someone he had to attack, mm-hmm.
2: it's
3: really it's really interesting to, to think that is about interesting
2: because um, I know in Star Wars, I mean, the prophecy is definitely a central focus throughout the entire saga. Um, I mean, you, you've got in the original original trilogy, the prequel trilogy, on into the sequel trilogy. Uh, Luke even mentions it, and so I mean, it's it's a big deal. Um, because it's looking for that ultimate being to bring peace and balance to the force, but nobody really knows what that means, <laughs> and that's what keeps causing the fights and the wars and all this other kind of stuff. One person thinks it's them; well, the other person thinks it's another. Um, and like you said, like it could have uh, for Harry, it, Harry's uh, prophecy it could have applied to Neville. Um, with the prophecy of the chosen one in Star Wars, it could have applied to. Anakin, which is who it was about. Um, it could have applied to Luke. Uh, Obi-Wan believed that. Yoda believed it was Leia. Um, and now it's believed that it's Rey. And so it's kind of like, okay, well is this just ever-changing? Like a staple of the universe kind of thing? Or um, And so it's almost like it doesn't have to really do with one person. It's just there needs to be balance is almost kind of what it seems like it's calling for. Um, But looking over that uh, Harry Potter um, prophecy, a lot of that applies to how the story plays out in Star Wars, from what I'm seeing. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, I mean, the one with the power to vanquish the Dark Lord approaches. So, Anakin, coming for Sidious, which in Legends canon, technically, Anakin was created by Plagueis, which was uh, Palpatine's master, that he killed in his sleep, and All that kind of stuff. Um, So born to those who have thrice defied him. Born as the seventh month dies. I don't know what month Anakin (laughs) was born. But uh, but the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal. Anakin becomes Palpatine's right-hand man. Um, He will have the power the Dark Lord knows not. He's way more powerful than Palpatine ever estimated him to be. Either must die at the hand of the other, for neither can live while the other survives end of the return of the Jedi. (laughs) Um, Anakin throws Palpatine down the core reactor core (laughs) and dies himself by redeeming himself and everything. Mm -hmm. And so I don't know that while you were reading that, like it didn't click when we were talking about it the other night, but like, just then I was like, that's, that's star Wars. That's the story of star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) But I think that's really cool. Um, how, and like you said, like how, what, what if no one ever received the prophecies? What if the, the, no one ever heard them or, or the, the certain people heard them? What if it's just them putting it into motion? The, the, right. the people who are like, oh, live by this prophecy. Exactly. Because yeah.
3: in the Ministry of Magic, there's actually a hall of prophecy and it's filled with like thousands and thousands of prophecies. And Dumbledore makes the point to Harry that, it never would have happened if voldemort hadn't chosen for it to happen he he tells him you know all these all these prophecies that you saw do you think all of those are true Mm -hmm. there's no way they're not but it's self-fulfilling voldemort made it happen when he marked harry as his equal
2: see and that's crazy so so why do you think that i mean so why do you think that that prophecy was put into motion because, I mean, you said it was serious hearing it, or I'm not Sirius, not Sirius, um, Snape. Sa- Snape, Yeah. Snape hearing it and him basically delivering that message. And that's what kind of sent part of it into motion. But then the rest of it kind of fulfilled itself. But it was sounds like it was wildly because both either either or party knew more than the other. So it's like one had one half and the other had another half.
3: Hmm. That's true. Only, you know, the only person who actually heard the prophecy in its entirety until Dumbledore revealed it to Harry as, a, as an adult. He he was the only person that knew the entire thing. Sybil Trelawney was in a trance. She couldn't even remember mm. giving that prophecy. And it was similar. She she only gave one other that we know of that's canon. And it's that um, the Dark Lord's, um, what is the word I'm trying to think of? Yeah, trance. Yeah, His servant listened. will return, yeah. yeah. And uh, and that's how he comes back into power. And she doesn't remember that. Harry hears her make that prophecy, and he's like, what? <laughs> 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 that's terrifying. Uh,
2: excuse me?
0: <laughs> um,
3: and so Dumbledore is the only one who who knows the entire thing. And I think the only reason that it was set into motion is because Voldemort Voldemort knew that he wasn't immortal. He wanted to be. He he feared death more than, mm-hmm. more than almost any wizard. Really, in the in the book, a lot of the the um the people that are in the Order of the Phoenix are ready to die. You know, like Mad Eye, like I mentioned earlier, like he was ready to die. Ron and Hermione repeatedly tell Harry when they're searching for the Hallows that they know what they're risking, and Harry. In the final, you know, scene in the in the movie almost, he goes into the forest and he says, I'm about to die. And mm-hmm. that's what gives him the power to kind of walk away from that battle twice after getting <laughs> cursed with a Vada <laughs> cadaver, which is unheard of. No one else has ever survived it but Harry yeah. Potter two times, like a champ. Twice. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Man. Um So, I mean, and as the prophecies go, so, I mean, as far as in Anakin's life, and Kristen, if you want to chime in on this as well, um, in Anakin's life, really, it was Qui-Gon who discovered him that kind of set things into motion. Because he was like, oh, this kid's pod racing. This kid should not be able to pod race. Mm -hmm. It's like he's seeing things before they happen, kind of stuff like that, like the characteristics of the force. And then that's when he decides to test him, finds out the midi-chlorians are off the charts, more than Yoda and all this other kind of stuff. And then from there, Qui-Gon's stubbornness kind of gets in the way of, no, this is the chosen one. This is the chosen one.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm falling. Okay. Okay. (laughs) You're going somewhere
2: with it. Well, I mean, as far as it goes, I mean, like, so... Qui Gon really set it into motion, and it almost seems it was because he was looking for a fulfillment to the prophecy. So, kind of like right. as you were saying, it was it's a self fulfilling kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was like there's a prophecy, so it's almost it almost becomes a mission more than a prophecy. Mm. So,
3: when do they decide to tell Anakin that he is, you know, he he has a prophecy made about him that he is the chosen one? When mm, do they make that I decision? No,
1: we see that. I just really? know mm-hmm. we we get when when we know he's the chosen one, and he. Leaves what Tatooine
2: mm-hmm. with uh, with Qui Gon and Obi Wan yeah. with
1: him, I can't remember exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he did, and then yeah. really the only other thing we get is 10 years difference mm-hmm. later, and mm-hmm. he that's what we know he knows that he's the chosen one,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but I don't think it ever actually gives us anything in between yet.
2: Yeah, like it never really kind that. of goes into a thing of somebody telling him, Hey, you're the chosen one, other than I mean, he, he likely heard Qui Gon mention it. Um, when he was advocate- advocating for him to be trained. Um, because as Jedi, um, they're not trained that old. He was nine when they right. found him. And they're normally taken as babies. Well, given voluntarily, but they're taken, <laughs> to- <laughs> they're taken as babies. <laughs> um, and kind of identified then. And then at that point, they're taken to be trained. And so it's the only life they've ever known. So attachment, all that kind of stuff is a non-issue because they don't have anything. They're, I mean, they're taking his infants. Like they, right. nothing else exists for them other than the Jedi Order. So it makes it a lot easier. Whereas Anakin had a lot to lose.
3: Yeah. So Harry doesn't learn that he, he doesn't know anything about the prophecy until the end of uh, the Order of the Phoenix, which is the fifth book. He has no idea. He he keeps asking Dumbledore why Voldemort even tried to kill him. He doesn't understand why his parents were What did you do to you? Yeah, he literally in the, in the very first book, he he comes to him after he defeats Quirrell. Um he he asks Dumbledore, it's the first question he asks him is like, "Why did he try to kill me? I I was a baby." And Dumbledore's like, "I'll tell you later." Like, <laughs> "Don't don't just, worry about it right now."
2: Put a pin in that one. <laughs>
3: yes. Um And then when he finds out about it for the first time, he doesn't even find out from someone he trusts. He finds out because he's tricked into going into the Ministry of Magic. He's lured to the Hall of Prophecy. And Lucius Malfoy is the one who is like, nobody told you about this prophecy? Like, wow, Dumbledore must really not care about you at all. That's embarrassing. (laughs) um, And then Harry hears the prophecy at the end of that book, and he asked Dumbledore, like, this means I've got to kill Voldemort, like, personally? <laughs> yeah. Me? Yeah. That's right. You, 15-year-old child. 15-year-old child. <laughs> it's, a lot of, it's
2: a lot of pressure.
0: Yeah. Put
3: on somebody. I mean, I don't know
2: about you, but when I was 15, I wasn't really thinking about any dark lords or anything. <laughs> um." Pretty, pretty thankful.
0: So, <laughs> uh, bringing balance to the force might be a little bit of pressure as well. A little, a
2: little.
3: <laughs> Harry is told that he's going to do important things. I think the first like inkling that he really gets about how powerfully magic he's going to be is when he goes into Ollivander's the wand shop, and he finds out that his wand and Voldemort's wand contain twin cores, which are, the, they both contain a phoenix feller, feather from the same phoenix, which later we find out is actually Dumbledore's pet phoenix. Oh, whoa.
0: Fox oh, the phoenix. Fox. I didn't know that.
3: Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, <laughs> and so it's wild. Like, that's the only two tail feathers Fox ever gave, mm-hmm. and... It's just interesting that they were both destined to choose those two wizards. Because mm-hmm. if you're not familiar in Harry Potter, the wand chooses the wizard. Yes, yeah. <laughs> just like the kyber crystal chooses the Jedi.
1: Yeah, very true. <laughs> Is that true?
2: Yeah,
3: I did not know that. It just yeah. wrinkled
2: my
0: brain.
1: <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it's actually one of my favorite Clone Wars arcs. There's a, 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 it's basically like a field trip for Padawans. They go with Ahsoka to um, this uh, planet. And they have to go into this cave and basically face their fears. And like some of them, their fear of being alone, like the, the Wookiee is their fear of being alone. Um, and which is so sad because it's a no. Wookiee Jedi, it's a Wookiee Padawan. He's, he's awesome, he seems Gungy. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, it's like the cutest thing ever. But, uh, but yeah, his fear is being alone. Another one is a um, failing and all this other kind of stuff. And they have to face all these fears because the Kyber crystals actually sing to them and everything. Um, and so there's one that thinks that they have a kyber crystal, but they don't. And because they thought it, they heard it it to him, but it was a decoy, kind of whatever. And then he has to go back in and save a friend. And that's where he finds his kyber crystal. Uh, but it's like in the nick of time, because if they don't find it in a certain amount of time, they're locked in there and below freezing temperatures overnight.
3: <laughs> <laughs> so, Yeah. <laughs>
2: But yeah, yeah, the Kyber crystal chooses the paddle one. So yeah, that's that's kind of cool. Yeah, I never similarities. Yeah, absolutely.
3: It's weird because when I really like when we very first discussed like this idea, I was like, "Eh, how much are they really gonna have in common? But it's (laughs) been crazy. Like as we've kept discussing it over the last few weeks, it's it's been wild to really dig into how much. We can find that parallel each other in the universe. Oh,
2: absolutely. And it's funny, because all of this started in a, in a passing 100th episode of, yeah. we should totally do a Harry, <laughs> Harry Potter episode. I'm like, I'm going to take you up on it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got <gotcha>. you.
3: <laughs> it has led to some of the most fun Harry Potter conversations absolutely. I've had in a long time. Yeah. Awesome.
2: <laughs> You'd never think that Star Wars and Harry Potter were so compatible. <laughs> um, but continuing with uh, Anakin and Harry. So with the with them finding out that they're the chosen ones. So I know with Anakin... Um, him being the chosen one, I, I feel like him knowing that kind of led a lot of times to him kind of coming across as the, the whiny teenager, kind of Uh, like,
3: yes, Harry gets that so bad. It makes me so hungry. Yeah. like, that's a lot of pressure on your shoulders. Like, we're all angsty when we're young, but like. You, you're you gonna be the messiah? Like, okay, I'm, yeah, you have every right to be, like, a little emotional. Right, exactly. <laughs>
2: you mean I'm not always put together? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, I mean, Anakin kind of gets that rap a lot because, um, and that's actually how Palpatine gets his kind of teeth in him, too. Um, where he he kind of feeds into Anakin's well, I know I'm more powerful than that, but they won't let me progress past this. And they keep saying, I'm not ready for the trials, but I know that I'm ready. And why are they holding me back? And all this other kind of stuff. And Palpatine's just like petting that the whole time going, oh, yeah, you know, I, they just must not trust you, oh, yes. you know, but I, I know your potential. I I know the real you, Anakin, and stuff like that. And really just kind of putting itself in those cracks to kind of eventually one day be like, yeah, you're mine now and everything
3: so opposite with dumbledore (laughs) like he he's the one that's constantly telling harry like when you're ready Mm -hmm. i will let you know like i know that's making you mad to hear it but like just chill you're 11 (laughs) wait a second like it's gonna be fine you
2: got your whole life ahead of you
3: (laughs) (laughs) and so he's definitely i think the one that keeps telling harry like you don't have to fight the Dark Lord like Harry is a lunatic when he's eleven and he like goes down to find the like <laughs> he he thinks Snape is working with Voldemort and like going to steal the Philosopher's Stone. He's like, I can defeat him. Like, what are you thinking? <laughs> this? You were raised in the Muggle world. You literally learned you had magic powers like seven months ago, and you're like, Yep, this is on me. Like, it's
0: so <laughs> crazy. I'm trying to make a feather float in class, but I can totally defeat this guy, <laughs>
3: right? <laughs> It would have made more sense if it was Hermione because she is like legit a genius and just like Mm -hmm. she came from a muggle family. Also, she's entirely muggle-born. Both of her family are like, I think her parents are dentists. And it's like she immediately-
2: (laughs) Totally same as the wizard. (laughs) She just shows up and is like, I know
3: everything. (laughs) I figured out how wands work. And then like when she meets Harry on the train, she's like, I read all about you. You're in these books, blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, what? (laughs) <laughs> what? i am and she's like how do you not know that you are literally legendary
2: what? <laughs> um well and so in, in going forward with that so so like you said it's it's a lot different with harry and dumbledore so so obi-wan and anakin's relationship that's something else that i think is is interesting because it sounds like in, in I'm assuming, because you guys are the experts, (laughs) um, but I'm assuming uh, as far as Obi-Wan goes, it sounds like he kind of falls along more the lines of of Dumbledore, Um, because Obi-Wan is is the one that when when the council says, you're ready, you're ready, like, put your faith in the council, Um, I got your back, Anakin, just Mm -hmm. calm down, almost kind of like slowing him down to, in a lot of ways, he ends up being a father figure to him, Um, because he didn't have a father, he was Mm -hmm. born of the Force, it was just him and his mom. Um, and he doesn't have his mom at this point, um, so I don't know. Is there anybody for Harry in that in that way?
3: Uh, I feel like the thing that closest resembles a father figure for Harry is um, Sirius Black. He was he's actually his godfather. He was his his dad's best friend from. Uh, Hogwarts, on. He was his best man in his wedding, and he was the person who was supposed to raise Harry. He he wasn't allowed to because one, he was in Azkaban because everyone thought he was the one who betrayed his parents. So there's that. that's
2: (laughs) hindering a
3: little bit? Set you
2: back a little bit.
3: Also, um, when Lily, Harry's mom, gave her life to protect Harry from Voldemort, she kind of enabled this ancient magic that lived in their blood, basically, that allowed a protection for Harry for his Entire life, as long as he lived in the household of someone who shared that blood with him, his aunt um, Petunia, that's how he stayed protected. So probably, hmm. even if all of that stuff hadn't happened with Sirius, Dumbledore still would have insisted that he live with Petunia Dursley just for that protection.
2: Huh? Yeah. I didn't realize that that was so. He had to live in basically a living hell because that was the safest place for him.
3: Yeah, totally. It's crazy
2: man that sucks
3: it was really sad
2: (laughs) but it was it was a whole like a for your own good kind of thing so Mm -hmm. that's wild yeah um so another set of characters that we briefly briefly kind of mentioned so so voldemort and palpatine so our our big greatest enemies in our prequel trilogy and and with harry potter um so so what I found interesting in our research and everything is that they each created their own greatest enemies.
3: True, true.
2: So, so with Voldemort, so how did that come about?
3: Well, with the pro- with the prophecy, he, you know, he is the one that marked someone as his equal, and if he hadn't done that, I think his powers would have gone unchecked. He was so, in the so mark someone
2: as equal. What do you mean?
3: Well, that's the that's the line in the prophecy, mm-hmm. is what he says. He, is that
2: his scar, like physically marked, or well, he is it something else. It's
3: when he decides that Harry is the person the prophecy ah, okay. is talking about because it didn't have to be him. He mm-hmm. decided like so he had gone and
2: picked on Neville and right. it just
3: fine. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> that would
2: have sucked. Um, and
3: I don't think Neville. I, I mean, I can't remember the exact timeline of when Neville's parents were tortured to insanity by bellatrix lestrange but (laughs) they they are so so basically like voldemort's like most insane follower and a couple of other death eaters go to the restaurant go to the uh longbottom household and they're torturing neville's two parents who are aurors uh they're basically magical law enforcement and trying to get information about the Order of the Phoenix, which is Dumbledore's army basically mm-hmm. that, that's like leading the, the force against Voldemort. Um, and they torture them. They use the Cruciatus cor- Curse until they go insane. Mm-hmm. And so I can't remember how that works, if that happened before Harry's parents die or if that's afterwards, but, I don't know, what if Neville's mom hadn't given her life? What if she hadn't protected him? He he would have died when he cast Avada Kedavra. And then Voldemort just would have made another Horcrux and been unstoppable. He would have been completely supreme magical leader. Like, he would have done everything he wanted to do, probably.
2: Mm-hmm. Okay, interesting. Yeah, and with Palpatine, I mean, and, and as many of you know, um, with Anakin, the way he manipulated him, He kind of tried to, multiple times, kind of keep him in his place. There's one uh, panel in uh, the Darth Vader comics, um, the the line that's going on right now, where, um, you know, the infamous part in The Revenge of the Sith, where Vader finds out Padme's died, and he does the, no, and everything. (laughs) Um, So immediately following that, so you know, like, if you watch, everything's being crushed around him, and all this crazy stuff's happening and stuff. He actually, like force blast basically um everything around him including palpatine and so palpatine ha- kind of has a moment where he's just like well it's kind of your own fault and you know what it, you, you're with me now and and everything and he's like tr- he sounds all supportive for a second and then all of a sudden he uh lights his lightsaber on uh anakin he's like if you ever touch w- touch me with the force again i'll finish what obi-wan couldn't and it was just like, golly. <laughs> um, and so it's 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 a very, very abusive relationship because it's kind of like a, I'm your friend to a point as long as you're serving my purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and in Palpatine's kind of. I, I feel like his goal with Anakin was more of like a, a collection of power, like I have the chosen one. I'm the one who controls all balance of the force. Well, yeah, kind of thing.
1: definitely. Because I mean, Anakin's the whole the chosen one for Anakin was to destroy the Sith, mm-hmm. and here Palpatine is being an undercover Sith, yeah, essentially. And he's like, I've got the chosen one like in the palm of my hand. Like he doesn't even know that I'm the one he's supposed to destroy, mm-hmm. and I'm befriended him, and I'm gonna make him do what I want.
2: Mm-hmm. So, because as we see, Anakin has a lot of trouble with attachment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so I mean, and, and he. In all, in all honesty, he attaches to Palpatine. He becomes a friend, a friend when he had none, and in a really weird, twisted way. But yeah,
1: because I mean, he kind of points out the flaws of the Jedi too to him, and he's kind of mm-hmm. like, you know, they won't give me rank of master, and they won't do this for me. They, you know, keep telling me I'm not ready. And he's like, oh, that's so sad. He's like, mm-hmm. I believe in you. Yeah, I care for you. Mm-hmm. Like he's just like planting those little seeds, like.
2: Mm-hmm. Just- yeah, that manipulation. I mean, it was it was planning Anakin's downfall. Um, but Harry had a different experience, from what I understand.
3: So there's a little bit of conflict in the Harry Potter fandom about, I don't know, feelings. Conflict about- in the Harry Potter fandom? <laughs> so-
2: <laughs> I thought it was only in the Star Wars fandom.
3: <laughs> um, about, like... Because Dumbledore totally manipulates Harry. He manipulates everybody in the books because he's a genius and he has these plans that we're all too dumb to understand and we would mess up (laughs) if we tried to. And so, like, there's a lot of conflict and people disagree about the way that Voldemort, I mean, Dumbledore raised Harry, kind of, because I think he would have protected Harry forever if voldemort had never heard the prophecy Mm -hmm. but because he heard the prophecy he made it come true and so harry had to go try to kill him so he had to raise him in a way that gave him the power to do what he had to do um but i don't know a lot of people still are like that's that's not cool. Kind of messed he's, up. He's a child. Yeah. Like, you, you, you can't do that. Um, and, and Snape Creating definitely. Creating a child soldier. Yeah, he does. I mean, Harry's 17. He's like, I'm ready. But he was ready when he was 11. So I'm, I don't know. Well, Maybe course. he just would have been that way. He's just
2: imagine how he was at five.
3: <laughs> That's why the Dursleys hated him so right. much. He was just a problem.
2: He was always off to war. <laughs> that Harry Potter.
3: <laughs> um, but even Snape, like... So Severus Snape is a double agent for Voldemort and Dumbledore. He he kind of goes back and forth and plays both sides. But he's really loyal to Dumbledore. And then when he finds out in the very end that Harry Potter has to die to kill Voldemort. Because when Voldemort was trying to make himself invincible, make himself live forever, he accidentally made Harry into a horcrux. What's a
2: horcrux for those who may not know?
3: So a horcrux in, in the Harry Potter world, when you commit the worst crime, murder, when you kill a person, your soul is irreparably damaged and you can perform a bit of really horrible dark magic that will encase your soul into whatever item you choose. When Voldemort learns about that piece of magic when he's like seventeen and he's a complete psychopath, yeah, it's a perfect
2: time for him to learn about that. Super crazy, <laughs> it's super super there, emo stage.
3: <laughs> <in> the library. <laughs> there may be some justification for why he's so crazy. But, I mean, couldn't he just light
2: things fi- on fire in the library like every other well, I mean, angsty when, teenager? When
3: he was a little kid, he was like taking all the other kids in the orphanage into caves. and like, oh my assaulting god. them and then stealing their stuff. Like, yeah, this is what happens when you don't do what I say. I don't oh know. my god, he's completely crazy. But okay, to be fair, the reason he's so crazy and incapable of. I don't know like feeling any Decency? sympathy in with sort people
0: of, yeah empathy sympathy he, yeah he doesn't have Anything. those emotions because
3: <laughs> <laughs> his mother um was his mother was a witch his dad was a muggle and she was in love with a muggle and so she gave him a love potion for like for years, she kept giving him a love potion. She conceived a kid under the love potion. And there's some theory that that, which totally date rape drugs, like that's <laughs> messed up. Um, that, that's probably why Voldemort doesn't feel love. He doesn't feel compassion. They say that like the closest bond that he has with anyone in in his entire life is with his snake Nagini. And so that's probably why he's such a monster. It's very unhealthy. <laughs> It's gross. It's gross. But it's anyway. insane. <laughs> so when he learns, surprise, about Kristen! Crops, I've
2: only I've only been drugging you. <laughs> it's a love potion that you're drinking in that grapey go.
3: <laughs> it's super sad. She like convinces herself that he's really in love with her, and then she stops giving him the love potion, and then he's like, "What?" I've been drugged, and then he runs away and leaves her. He bans her, and then she dies during childbirth. Oh Voldemort gosh. has to go to an orphanage. It's super sad. I feel bad for him, but also he's a monster. Uh,
2: Gee.
1: Oh
3: <laughs> so when what he finds twist. out about the Horcrux, <laughs> he asks one of his professors, "Like, what would happen if I made seven Horcrux? Because seven is the most powerful magical number that there is. His teacher is horrified and is like, get out of here. That's gross. that's his
2: plan. As any teacher should.
3: (laughs) That's his plan. He thinks that it will make him live forever if he can create seven horcruxes. So... Mm -hmm. He chooses like really meaningful deaths. I think he he makes one when he kills his father and and he kills his father and his entire family. He kills um his ancestors on his mother's side as well because he mm-hmm. just wants to steal stuff from them. Oh wait, no he doesn't. He frames them for murder. What am I no. thinking?
2: <laughs> um, oh great. <laughs> this is that's a little better. A little, yeah, right.
3: A little bit. Um <laughs> But he, he only makes a horcrux out of like really meaningful murders and so he I think is intending on oh, making Well as long his as it means seventh.
2: something, you know. Uh, good
3: point. <laughs> He's gonna make his seventh when he murders Harry, but then he it backfires because of the magic that his mom invoked when she sacrificed herself for him. And so Harry turns into a horcrux, which means that part of Voldemort's soul is inside of Harry the entire his whole life after he turns one. Ooh. Mm-hmm. and that's why he can speak parcel tongue and then that's why he can in the later books he can sometimes get visions of what's going on in Voldemort's head he can see things that he's thinking about a lot and Voldemort can plant things in his mind even though you're not really supposed to be able to do that unless you're in close contact with a person so holy crap yes. <laughs> So poor Harry and he's yeah. 11 <laughs>
2: imagine all that in your head at 11 <laughs> and
3: so to kill Voldemort for real for real you uh-huh. have to get rid of all of his horcruxes so Harry goes on this crazy wild trip so he's a raid boss that's <laughs> <fine>. <laughs> he goes through and tries to find all of his horcruxes and then like right like when they kill the almost the last one, the snake Nagini is his last Horcrux that they know of. Mm-hmm. Harry gets a memory from Snape as Snape is dying, and it explains all of the stuff that says how Harry is a Horcrux. And Harry's like, "Oh, okay, <laughs> <That's fun. laughs> that means I've got to die to kill Voldemort." Mm-hmm. So he leaves three people who know that they need to kill Nagini, and it's Neville, Ron, and Hermione. It's interesting. Neville comes back into play at the end there, um, and then he goes into the woods and he's like, "All right, I'm ready to die." He stows his wand away, walks up to Voldemort. Voldemort kills him, but he doesn't really die. He just kills the part of his soul that is inside Harry. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting.
2: Holy crap!
3: That's a lot. <laughs> yeah, it's very convoluted. It is.
2: That's cool. Well, and, and it's interesting that you uh, you started it on that because our next part of this. Is talking about kind of the the difference with the force and the magic.
1: What do you see?
3: The island. Life. Death and decay that feeds new life. Warmth.
2: Cold. Peace
0: violence
1: and between it all
0: balance and energy a force
1: and inside you inside me that same force
2: as we discussed there is a a light side to the magic and also a dark side to the magic, um, as we've <laughs> discovered with the Horcruxes and stuff like that. And so I feel like Anakin kind of has a similar experience. Um, now he's not dividing his soul across the galaxy, so there's that. <laughs> uh, it's a little it's a little less fantastical, um, but at the same time, though, like his first real, I guess, kind of slip into the dark side. Um, comes when he starts getting visions of his mother. Um, and he's seen her in pain and torture and all this other kind of stuff. And Obi-Wan's assigned him to take care of Padme and stay at Padme's side because somebody's trying to assassinate her. And Padme, being the rebel that she is, is like, oh, you're still at my side if I take you to Tatooine. And he's like, no, we can't go there. <laughs> Obi-Wan would be so mad. He's like, ah, well, you're still technically doing your job. Um, loopholes. Uh, yeah, right, loopholes. So it's kind of Padme's fault if we think about it. <laughs> I mean, it definitely
3: <laughs> is. Yeah, blame the woman, yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> Um, But, I mean, as far as it goes, so, I mean, Padme takes him to Tatooine. And then he goes and kind of follows his, the, the force and finds um, the, the Lars homestead. Which is home in the future to Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru, which is who are, who's watching Luke. Um, he finds them and everything. He's not exactly impressed with his new brother-in-law and all that good stuff, <laughs> which probably explains why what happens to them in a New Hope happens, uh, where they're burnt to a crisp. <laughs> <So>, no, <innovation>. yeah. <laughs> um, he's not exactly fond of that side of the family, um, but basically the the he finds out that a guy um, bought his mom because his mom's a slave bought his mom fell in love with his mom married his mom so she's no longer slave she's wife um, the Tuscan Raiders found her and uh and, and took her because I think she was early out in early morning or something I don't know but um he basically said that uh I, th- I think it was like nine went out and maybe three came back or something like that so like the Tuscan Raiders Basically handed it to him. It was like, yeah, it's not happening. Uh, he lost a leg or both legs, I think. I don't I think know. one. Think one, I think at least one. one leg. But he lost limbs. At least like one. it was <laughs> at least one. There's got to be dismemberment in Star Wars. It's a theme. It's a Pretty thing. Um, <laughs> uh, you're losing a hand or something, which is why all of us thought Ray was going to lose one in Last Jedi. But, <laughs> um, but yeah. So he goes out, and Anakin's like, you know what? I'll do what you can't and finds his mom in the Tuscan Raider camp, and she dies in his arms. The last thing she says is, I, 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 and then dies. Never gets out that last I love you, anything like that, and just, like, crushes him. And then all of a sudden, it's just, like, straight to the dark side. Kills an entire camp of Tuscan Raiders, and as he so kindly reminds us, not just the men, but the women. And the children, too. (laughs) All the Mm -hmm. while, Padme's, you know, being super supportive and just standing here there going, oh, God, (laughs) Um, really doesn't say much or anything. And it's just like, so we're not going to tell anybody about this. It'll be a political nightmare. We're just going to let this go. And, uh, you know, doesn't tell anybody. Um, But it reminded me when you were talking about the Horcruxes and everything, um, how it gets easier and easier every time Anakin accesses the dark side. So this all happens before the Clone Wars, in Attack of the Clones, where he's killin- he's killed the Tusken Raider camp. Um, and then throughout the Clone Wars series, we see him force choking random people, almost killing a bunch of people, where Obi-Wan's having to bring him back. Um, I think he actually does kill uh, somebody at one point. And Obi-Wan's like, are you serious? And he's like, what? He had to. <laughs> I was defending myself. Had you. <laughs> yeah, stuff like that. Like it almost becomes like it's just not an option. This is what we have to do. And he mentions a lot of times too that he feels like a- as Jedi, what they believe holds them back from the victory that they should have in the Clone Wars because they can't finish it. They're not, they're not fighters or instigators. They're peacekeepers. So they can't fight without being provoked. Hmm. So if they shove somebody into a corner in order to get certain victories, sometimes you got to do the dark thing. And as a Jedi, you're not supposed to. Well, Anakin doesn't believe that. <laughs> um, so I, I think that that's interesting. And so, and another thing that we were talking about too. So, so there obviously is a dark side of magic, um, as well. So you've got the Horcruxes. What else is there in the Harry Potter universe?
3: So mostly, we're supposed to only learn about the Defense Against the Dark Arts in Harry Potter. That's the only subject that even comes close to it when you're actually learning in Hogwarts. Mm-hmm. But there are three curses that are considered unforgivable. They're the unforgivable curses in Harry Potter. Oh. One of them is Avada Kedavra. It's the killing curse. One is uh, Crucio, and it tortures people. It just makes you feel an insane amount of pain. Mm-hmm. And then the third is... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm having a blank. It starts with an I. Imperious, Imperious curse. And it it makes it to where you can control a person basically you can make them do anything you want
0: not just human beings but creatures as well anything so it's a jedi mind trick
2: (laughs) (laughs) that's messed up yeah
3: and so that's the one like when voldemort originally disappears when he tries to kill harry a lot of Death Eaters came forward and were like, oh, no, I was imperious. Like, I, I had no control over what I was doing. <laughs> but there's no way. There's no way all of them were doing it. Lucius yeah. Malfoy was one of the people who claimed that, and he's, like, a sick, gross person. Mm, yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there's definitely a dark side to magic. Uh, I wouldn't say there's really a light side to magic, just everything else. Mm-hmm. And uh, And, I mean, there are cases of people using dark magic for noble reasons, like... Uh, when Snape killed Dumbledore, mm-hmm. it was all part of Dumbledore's plan. He didn't want Drago to have to do it and damage his soul, right. mm-hmm. so he you know orchestrated this whole thing where he's like "Snape you're gonna have to kill me mm-hmm. um so that's a case of an unforgivable curse being used for a noble reason. There's also been cases of people using like regular like the severing charm mm-hmm. and if it's used um Willy nilly, yeah, you, it's, it can cause a lot of damage and even kill people.
3: But I think the distinctions in Harry Potter are like less black and white than they are in Star Wars. I think that's changing with the new trilogy a bit, where it's mm-hmm. like, uh, oh, what is who is bad and who is good? It's yeah. like a little tricky. Yeah. But in Harry Potter, like Harry definitely tries to use some unforgivable curses, and he succeeds in the very last one. One of the one of the Death Eaters spits in in his Professor McGonagall's face, and he. He tortures them. He uses Crucio to punish them. Oh, crap. He does it straight up. It's weird (laughs) because he he does it when he sees that happen to McGonagall. But Mm -hmm. he also tries to Crucio Bellatrix when she kills um, Sirius, who's like a father. who's like a mixture of a father and a brother to Harry. Mm -hmm. She kills him, and he can't summon the hatred to torture her. But when he sees Ackaro spit Mm -hmm. in McGonagall's face, he's just overcome with fury any he, he does it without even thinking i think he says to them later he's like wow bellatrix was right you gotta really mean it like so yeah to use any of the unforgivable curses especially you have to really have a lot of strong emotion behind it you have to really really want to hurt somebody and and like to kill them you have to really appreciate what you're about to do it's not like a kid can you know just say about a Avada Kedavra and kill their parents on accident like mm. you have to be aware of what you're about to do and i think that's why it damages your soul so much is because you're you you know it's a
2: conscious decision yeah, yeah.
3: and it, it can't just be something that overwhelms you mm-hmm. harry tries to cast a couple of unforgivable curses um, but he can't really do it until he's super angry he mm-hmm. he's just fuming with with it um but i think really and that's kind of the way with, that magic works in Harry Potter. It's like Expecto Patronum. You can't conjure that. It's it's a it's a, a field of happiness. It's like a real mm-hmm. thing that you have to you have to be just overwhelmed with happiness to be able to conjure it. Mm-hmm. And so, I think. That's the most important thing. And it's, it's interesting, it kind of goes both ways, that almost no Death Eaters can conjure a Patronus. Severus Snape is supposed to be the only one who can, and his Patronus takes the shape of a doe, which mm-hmm. is the same shape of Lily Evans, because oh. he is in love with Harry's mom, and that's why he wanted to protect Harry the whole time. So,
2: so does that mean that his Patronus changed at some point, or... <gasps> I it's think it's always been So that.
3: they never they never talk about its original shape, but that is a thing that can happen It happens with uh Nymphadora Tonks when she falls in love with Remus Lupin and her her uh Patronus turns into a werewolf. That's, oh. That's cool. Been, yeah. Um and Snape he he falls in love with Lily when he's a kid and he's in love with her when they're in Hogwarts together and he never gets over it. Mm-hmm. And so later like years and years later when he uh casts a Patronus in front of Dumbledore, Dumbledore's like what, after all this time? And mm-hmm. same says, always.
2: Ah, that's where that quote's from. Yes. I've seen that, like, everywhere. <laughs> okay, okay. Oh, cool. Well, and in, in so, and in going back into the dark magic and stuff like that, so, I mean, like, it, it it's cool, too, because, there. I mean, another similarity with Star Wars, um, the path to the dark side, fear leads to anger, anger leads to hate, and hate leads to suffering. Um, and so that seems to be the same theme Throughout Harry Potter as well.
3: It's pretty similar. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. Um, so, and now I know, you, Caleb, you said there really wasn't like a, a light side of magic or anything like that, but um, you guys were talking about at one point um, something that actually helped save Harry when he was attacked by Voldemort. It's the strongest magic
0: there is.
3: It's love. And that's what in the prophecy when it says. <laughs> 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 the way you did that
0: (laughs) super cheese the
2: strongest magic there is
1: love
3: Mm. (laughs) I love it it's true though
2: All you need day. is love. The Beatles had it right. True. <laughs>
3: it's true. That's probably where they got it from. Absolutely. They sat down with J.K. Rowling and had a debate. Of course. <laughs> um, but that's what, with, in the prophecy where it says the Dark Lord will mark him as his equal, but he will have powers the Dark Lord knows not. That's what they're talking about is Harry's ability to love because Voldemort is incapable of it. Ooh. And because Harry's mom sacrificed himself, her love gave him a power and a protection. And then Harry, because of... I guess his his bonds that he forms um, with his, you know, wizards and in, in Hogwarts and stuff, the way that he the way that he becomes attached to people mm-hmm. and stuff, it that's what gives him power. It's what makes him want to fight Voldemort. And mm-hmm. if he didn't have those bonds, Dumbledore thinks that he wouldn't have done the things that he did to stop Voldemort.
0: I found a way to save you. Save me from my nightmares. Is that what's bothering you? I won't lose you, Padme. I'm not gonna die in childbirth, Annie. I promise you. No, I promise you.
2: So here's the peculiar thing about Anakin. So you said that the love and attachment actually gave him strength.
3: Yes, Kristen, do
2: you want to weigh in on your boy Anakin and his (laughs) love and attachment? (laughs) (laughs)
1: I mean I don't know I feel like you've got a way that you want to go with this but I mean I guess from my point of view and perspective of it I feel like he tried to make the best out of his love and attachments like he always went with the best intentions to help the people he loved Mm -hmm. but it always turned into him like killing someone or <laughs> force-choking someone or As these things just do. turning to the dark side in some form or fashion just because yeah. he was always willing to go that extra step for those people he loved, I felt like. And,
0: mm-hmm. and I mean,
2: that meant anything. Yeah, much. <laughs> When he said he would do anything for you, he meant
1: anything. <laughs> <laughs> he really did. But, yeah, that's just kind of my take on Anakin's, like,
2: attachment mm-hmm.
3: and his love. Well,
2: and I kind of feel like with Anakin, the, the Jedi almost – created an unhealthy thing.
3: Like, they discourage it, don't they? Yeah,
2: they discourage attachment, which is funny because he has a scene in, uh, in Attack of the Clones, actually, too, um, where he's talking with Padme and he was saying that um, attachment is forbidden. Um, but his basically his conundrum, what he doesn't understand, it's kind of a, a paradox for him, is that attachment's forbidden, but the Jedi are encouraged to love. And so how can you... Love when you have no attachment, basically, mm-hmm. and so it's just kind of like—I mean, it's—it doesn't make sense, or at least to me, it doesn't either. And so I'm kind of like, okay, I see where you're coming from, but with the—and and this is something that she, that Kristen and I have actually talked on, about on the show before—is that it's almost like the the cookie-cutter Jedi created Anakin to be what he was, mm-hmm. because if they would have just let Anakin love and be the person who cared about so many people and love so deeply yet knew the right thing to do instead of trying to force him into this mold, right. it might've turned out differently. Yeah.
3: It's funny because Dumbledore like has the entire opposite like method that he, he teaches to all of his students after, um, in the, uh, Triwizard tournament when Cedric Diggory dies and they're talking about it at the end of your feast, Dumbledore says to everyone that Voldemort is back and that, That's how he is going to try to get his power is by making, you know, turning people against each other and making people not have those bonds. He says, we're only as strong as we are united, as weak as we are divided. Um, That's cool. Yeah. And so that's like his entire lesson to Harry is like, we are only going to be as strong as we are if we work together and love each other and take care of each other. And so it's like a huge, huge theme in Harry Potter.
2: So so basically Anakin went to the wrong school.
3: Yeah. Obviously. Obviously. (laughs) Would have learned way cooler spells. Right. Would have gotten some cool friends too. Anakin, I am on your side. I didn't want to put you in this situation.
1: What situation?
3: The council wants you to report on all the Chancellor's dealings. They want to know what he's up to.
0: They want me to spy on the Chancellor, but that's treason. We are at war, Anakin.
2: Why didn't the Council give me this assignment when we were in session? This assignment is not to be on record.
0: The Chancellor is not a bad man, Obi-Wan. He befriended me. He's watched out for me ever since I arrived here. That is why you must help us. Anakin, our allegiance is to the Senate, not to its leader, who has managed to stay in
2: office long after his term has expired. The Senate demanded that he stay longer. Yes, but use
3: your feelings, Anakin. Something is out of place.
0: You're asking me to do something against the Jedi Code. Against the Republic. Against a mentor and a friend. That's what's out of place here. Why are you asking this of me?
3: The Council is asking you.
0: So, So we
2: were kind of talking about kind of like... The secret to all of it. In in comparing Harry and Anakin, one was the hero and one went horribly wrong. And I thought it was more interesting to find out really where Anakin went wrong. Because, I mean, he had opportunities to make the right decision. He had opportunities to make the bad ones. And for whatever reason, he veered towards the side of his friend Palpatine. um, To the person who was feeding him the fluff that oh, you're amazing, Anakin. Mm -hmm. I don't know why they don't see the same things I see in you and stuff like that. Basically just kind of coddling him and not really challenging him as a mentor, which I feel like Dumbledore did for Harry. Even though he kind of kept things from him, he kind of challenged him to be better at times.
3: Right. And I think that all the time that Dumbledore kept things from Harry, he did it for Harry's best interests. Like he he did it, because I mean,
2: would you say it was it was that he wasn't ready to know those things?
3: Yeah, definitely. I mm-hmm. don't think as an eleven year old you need to be told like <laughs> you're going to have to kill the Dark Lord. Yeah, like, nobody else. You will can have even to commit murder. Just letting you know, exactly. <laughs> um, and but Harry uh, is also encouraged by Dumbledore to trust in his friends. He he tells him that he needs to confide these things in his friends. Mm-hmm. We find out in. Um, in the uh, Half-Blood Prince that the entire entire time that we have been following the story that Dumbledore has been trying to find out as much as he can about Voldemort's history. He wants to know everything that he did before he became Lord Voldemort. Mm -hmm. And he confides those things in Harry, and then Harry asks him, can I tell Ron and Hermione this stuff? And he's like, yeah, definitely tell them you need to tell them (laughs) that. (laughs) So he, he wants them to have those bonds. He, he knows that they need Mm -hmm. to have that relationship. And then when Dumbledore dies, he arranges his own death, but he leaves all three of them, something that is necessary to solve the riddle of the Horcruxes and Mm -hmm. the hallows.
2: Yeah. and, and and that's another interesting thing because so with Anakin, so he had people around him. It wasn't necessarily that he was entirely alone, but it was almost as if he still was. Um, because Obi-Wan, he he was his mentor. Um, Anakin didn't understand why Obi-Wan did a lot of things that he did. So he sought out validation elsewhere, mm-hmm. um, which ended up obviously hurting him and causing him to become who he was. Um, is, as much as I love Padme... I don't feel like she was really <laughs> positive in this whole experience <laughs> either. Um, no, I agree. So, I, I mean, let's let's be honest, Kristen. If if I just told you I I just killed a whole village, would your reaction just be like, "Oh no, baby, it's a, it's okay"? <laughs>
1: <laughs> no, I'd probably run. <laughs> <laughs>
2: ding ding. <laughs> and so, so that's the thing. it's like I feel like there were moments where Padme probably should have been called to action. A lot more than she was. And so, yes, she loved him, but it's, it's almost like kind of like you, you, oh, you know, it was a one time thing. We're just going to, you know, it'll never happen again. He said it was a one time thing. And then it happens again and again. And it gets easier every single time till eventually he slips into where he is.
3: Mm. Do you know what? Something I just realized that's super interesting is Harry. I mean, he he likes Ginny Weasley. He kind of starts to love her at the end of the books, but he he doesn't really have romantic relationships that develop into anything super serious like that. Like mm-hmm. his relationships that are the most important to him are like familial. They're they're like mm-hmm. totally platonic with Hermione. He never has any romantic feelings with her, and then like the feelings that he has with all of his other friends and especially people that are in the Order of the Phoenix. Those are just feelings of like a trust that he has with people, mm-hmm. but he doesn't have those romantic feelings. And I wonder what difference that could have made also, because I'm loving well, a person yeah. like that makes you kind of crazy sometimes.
2: Well, and so in and considering and, and we talked about this too before with Anakin. I mean, if you really think about it, Padme is kind of his first girlfriend. Mm. Like first girl he ever loved, and he loved hard. <laughs> like yeah. he went all in. Um, like at one point he said something about how she was a beautiful while she slept, stuff like that. Uh, yeah, like yeah. dream, yeah. telling all about the dreams of her and stuff like that. Like Whoa. went all in, and Ooh, like she's just stalker like
3: stalker level. Okay, all right. Yeah, like modern
1: day. That's like stalker.
2: Yeah. <laughs> so, so
1: you would get a restraining. But her. I
2: mean, that's the thing though, is that uh, so he went from nine years old to Jedi. Never had a girlfriend. Didn't know how to talk to girls. Mm-hmm. So I mean, and it was discouraged in the Jedi Order. So I mean, he had these feelings that he didn't know how to deal with, and it just got worse and unhealthy because once he married said woman that he loved, um, after telling his professing his love, uh, that he uh, tortures her every tortures tortures him every day, um, and that her love is agonizing and all this <laughs> other kind of stuff. Oh, that it's like I think you're associating the wrong feelings with love.
3: Oh, what is supposed to feel like? <laughs>
2: um, it's like I get you trying to be all romantic and everything, but something's off a <laughs> little like, hmm, Caleb, serial no. killer kind of level. But um, so I mean, with her, like even even though there are moments, especially in, in the Clone Wars series, where you really get to dive into those characters, that she she is good for him. Um, she does help in in a lot of ways. But overall, it becomes kind of an unhealthy relationship because he really doesn't know what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And he doesn't know how to deal with the things that technically he feels like he should be suppressing for the Jedi. So it's like constant conflict. Mm -hmm. Um, The only person that I feel like he really fully trusted was Ahsoka, um, which was his Padawan. Uh, She came up in the Clone Wars, um, so she wasn't in any of the main movies. But um, she was his Padawan, assigned to him by Yoda and Obi Wan, um, because they thought that she would be good for him and everything. Mm. Well, Anakin, being the attachment, he a walking attachment that he is. <laughs> um, I mean, he latched onto her, and feelings for her became more father daughter than it did Master Padawan. Um, which got dangerous in a lot of ways. Um, a couple weeks back, we talked about uh, the brain worms episode in Clone Wars, where she's saying, "Hey, yeah, um, there's these worms that are taking over everything. Uh, we're not okay. We're in danger. All this other kind of stuff." Uh, I mean, Anakin immediately goes and interrogates the the prisoner that they have, Poggle the Lesser, and um, like without consulting anybody, he tells the the guards to leave him and everything. Like, hey. Go, go away for a little while. If you ever tell the guards to leave while you're mm-hmm. about to do something, nothing good's about to happen.
3: I've seen enough police shows <laughs> to know what's about to happen. Turn yeah. off the camera in there, it's on. Exactly. <laughs> right.
2: um, so he goes in there and he's interrogated him, trying to find out how to how to take care of these brainworms and everything. And Poggle's like trying to be like, ha ha, I'm not going to tell you anything. And he slams up, up against the wall, force chokes him, and like sits there and just tortures him and beats the mess out of him. Mm-hmm. And then he comes back to his uh, fellow Jedi masters. And uh, he's like, "Oh yeah, so um, the, this is how you uh, kill the brainworms, and th- th- everything's gonna be okay." And um, <laughs> they're like, "Wait, how did you find that out?" Oh well, I, I got the information from Woggle. You interrogated him. How did how did you get him to talk? All that matters. <laughs> 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 is that we got the information, this is what we needed to And it's like collectively in the room, all of them were like, I know how you got this information. I'm not asking any more questions, just, which I'm not in, talk about right, <laughs> which the thing is, is though in Anakin's case was bad, was a bad idea because it needed to be talked about. It helped him spiral out of control because it, like I said, it got easier and easier every single time. Um, and so, and then it really sent him over the edge when Ahsoka left the Jedi order um She had. She was accused of crimes she didn't commit, and they turned against her. Everybody but Anakin. Anakin still believed her, and everyone else was like, "Oh no, you you committed murder." Da da da. Well, then she's proven innocent, and then all of them like, "Oh yeah, well we knew it all the time." Test of the Force. You can come on back in, uh, and she's like, "No, I'm I'm not doing that." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like, well, I'm 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 gonna need to find my own way, and and that hurt him, and that kind of added a crack in the Jedi council and the trust in the Jedi council there Mm -hmm. where by revenge of the Sith, he doesn't trust them at all, which makes it even easier for him to fall into Palpatine's snares. Mm Yeah. So it was basically in a way Palpatine destroying whatever small support system Anakin might have had. Um, Just one thing after another, because the Ahsoka thing with her being framed was all orchestrated by Palpatine. Everything was orchestrated about Palpatine. And so it was like he was trying to find the ways to pull them apart. But even then, Obi-Wan kept him on the outskirts. Dead Eye Council kept him on the outskirts. Like they all, nobody trusted him. So he's like, if you don't trust me, why should I trust you? And stuff like that. So I wonder if Anakin had what Harry did, a Ron and Hermione, that maybe things could have been different.
3: Right. I mean, I think the same thing. And I think it could have been different for Harry too if he had. I don't know if he had met Draco Malfoy before he met Ron and Draco told him how great Slytherin was, he probably would have been placed in Slytherin. The only Mm -hmm. reason that he wasn't placed in that house is because he was like begging the Sorting Hat not to place him there. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. He's totally, and it's interesting, that's another thing about the trio is Mm -hmm. that they can kind of represent a secondary of each of the other houses. Hermione would represent a Ravenclaw, Harry would be a Slytherin, and Ron would have been a Hufflepuff. Huh. If they hadn't been in Gryffindor, yeah, that's, a, that's another little interesting tidbit. The more you know. <laughs> um, but also, I think when when Voldemort had a body again, when he was returned to power, Harry really felt that part of his soul coming alive in him. He he really felt a lot of those bad feelings that Voldemort had—a
2: dark side, if you will. Yes, for sure.
3: <laughs> and and if he hadn't had people to ground him like ron and hermione i think he totally could have gone a bad way he, he tells mm-hmm. sirius that he thinks he's turning bad he, he thinks he's going crazy he starts having urges to attack dumbledore he he feels a lot of hatred mm-hmm. and i think if he hadn't had people to to keep bringing him to back, deal with
2: it yeah yeah
3: he totally would have i think turned into a bad person
2: I feel like you just described the story of Anakin, <laughs> except it turned out way differently. Yeah.
3: <laughs> That's interesting. What house do you think Anakin would have been in if he had gone to Hogwarts and had had oh, friends?
2: Man, I
0: don't know. He's definitely powerful. Yeah. So Gryffindor, or Slytherin.
2: I was about to say. I think. I think Gryffindor. I think he would. Have, because he in loved all honesty, yeah. Sure his, yeah. Because I
0: mean, how him. he
2: is. I mean, he he was he's courageous. He's one that, I mean, he was driven by love, even though ultimately he ended it very badly. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he was driven by love for the people around him. Um, and he was trying to fit in a mold that he didn't fit in um, because and something that you kind of find out throughout the, the series is that a lot of the rules placed by the Jedi order were placed by the Jedi order. It wasn't something ordained by the force. So the force wasn't like, you know what, you're a Jedi, I don't have attachments. Mm-hmm. Um that's not how that happened. And a Jedi should actually be able to wield both light and dark and have balance within themselves. What do you guys think? Uh, after that. all of you all of what you've learned about Anakin today.
3: <laughs> Man, I think they're two sides of the same coin. It's crazy how I think they totally could have turned if they had been... Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the whole thing boils down to the way they were manipulated. Harry ended up being manipulated for good, which, was like, I don't, <laughs> I don't know.
2: Sounds strange to say.
3: Yeah. <laughs> but, I, I mean, I think they both easily could have turned around a different way mm-hmm. if they had been raised differently.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And in the end,
2: Anakin makes the right decision and saves his son, Luke, yeah. and... Vanquishes the Emperor as the prophecy foresold.
1: I'd say ultimately, ultimately, still brings balance to the Force.
2: Yeah, ultimately, still does what he was told to do. It just took a little misery and uh, a lot longer.
1: <laughs> right. Sounds like life, though. <laughs> right. <laughs>
2: Never goes the way you planned. Right. Silly prophecies. You
1: stops on the way, but yeah. you always get to where you want to go in the end. <laughs> Definitely.
2: So, did anybody have any final thoughts on the Chosen One?
3: I don't. I feel like we covered all our bases.
2: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Cool. Yeah. So this was like a super mega ultra episode and it was amazing. And I loved every second of it. You guys are awesome. I really appreciate you guys being on the show. Thanks for having us. It was super fun. Absolutely. Um, So guys, uh, thank you for hanging in there with us on this Harry Potter episode. We hope that everything was informative and fun. And I mean, I sure learned a lot. We'll we'll travel to the Wizarding World again sometime, I'm sure. (laughs) Uh, But thank you for joining us on this Halloween.
1: Yeah, so thank you everyone for listening or watching another episode of Castle Run Weekly. Um, If you enjoyed this episode or any previous episodes, please make sure to rate and review us on iTunes. Um, If you leave us a five-star review, we will most definitely read it on one of our future episodes. Absolutely. We love our five-star reviews. Um, you can find us on social media at Castle Weekly. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And on our website at CastleRunWeekly.com.
2: Absolutely. And again, thank you, Caleb and Krista, so much for joining us. Uh, we really, really appreciate it.
3: Yay. We were happy to be here.
2: Yeah, of course. All right, guys. So until next time,
0: my name is Danny,
3: And I'm Kristen. I'm Caleb. And I'm Krista.
0: And may the force be with you.
3: Always.